0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Roadshow post-trade edition. Just a monster day of action on Friday that we've now had a few days to marinate on. Think about the moves, what they mean. And I'll have a couple of people close to two of the teams on to tell us what they've come up with. Uh, Safed Dean, who covers the Dolphins for the Sun Sentinel, and Cam Inman, who covers the Niners for the Bay Area News Group. Quick recap of the moves. It'll only take a second if you're like, duh, yeah, I know. Uh, we've now got the Niners picking third in the draft, moved up from 12, gave up a ton, right? A first rounder next year and a first rounder in 2023, also a third rounder this year. All of that headed to Miami, which then turned around and sent one of their now two first rounders for next year to Philadelphia to move back up from 12 to 6. So we've got. San Francisco at three without a first round pick next year or the year after that. They're all in. We've got the Dolphins at six with an extra first rounder in 2023 and an extra third rounder this year. And we've got the Eagles now at 12 with an extra first rounder next year and also an earlier pick this year. They also moved up a few spots from the fifth to the fourth round in that deal with the Dolphins. But the big story there is the extra first, which sets them up Really nicely to go get a quarterback next year if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out this year. And they're still positioned nicely to put pieces around him this year in the hopes that it will work out with four picks in the top 84. So I love the moves for Miami. Slow clap for Chris Greer or fast clap with all sorts of excitement, all of the things. Didn't make any sense at all to sit at three, right? Unless they wanted a quarterback. And that didn't make any sense either since they used a top pick on a quarterback last year. So to use the quarterback neediness of other teams to their advantage and still end up in a spot where they could end up getting the exact guy that they would have taken at three while also netting an extra one and a three, that is a massive win. And even if the board doesn't go the way that I think it will, quarterback, 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 offensive lineman to Cincy, Even if Atlanta grabs a playmaker at four or Cincinnati does, which would be a very big mistake in my estimation because Joe Burrow, God, please protect that man up front. But anyway, even if those things happen, Miami would still get a legit playmaker at six. And that's pretty much all they need to happen. San Francisco, though, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the move for them. I love that they did it as an unbiased observer who loves the drama that it kicks up the breadcrumbs that it lays down for people like me to follow for the next month. Will it be a good move for them though? I don't know. It's a lot to give up for a quarterback that we can't even agree on right now as being the best option for them. I mean, it would be one thing if we were all like, oh my gosh, Trey Lance, perfect fit, or Mac Jones, right? Tons of people are saying that he's a great fit, but they're also saying he's not worth a third overall pick or three ones for that matter. Because that is ultimately what San Francisco is going to spend on the quarterback that they draft at three. Three first-round picks. It's bonkers. So that's where Cam Inman comes in. He's covered this team for two decades now. I think this is his 21st season covering the team. And he's here to help me figure it all out. So let's break the huddle. Cam. So very interesting press conference Monday in Santa Clara, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch confirming that it will be a quarterback at number three for those of us that hadn't um, figured that out on our own. It's always nice to have that kind of confirmation, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, it's like we don't have to uh, speculate for a month about offensive tackles and right. tight ends <laughs> and shaking things up. And I mean, there's there's still a little bit of a, a thing we can play with and say, are they going to trade up to two with the Jets? But Ooh. I mean, they, they've they played no. it up pretty good that they're they're going to get a uh, hot shot quarterback to be an apprentice to Jimmy Garoppolo. And um, that's that's their story. And they're sticking to it until they have to change it.
0: So I think you were joking there about the Jets in number two. That is not something they could actually do anymore, right?
1: They can do anything, but I don't think they're going to. It's not, you know, and I asked John Lynch about just you know how sure they were of what was going to happen at one and two, and he went so far as to say, "Well, Urban Meyer, you know, has been seen with Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, and the Jets he kind of confirmed
0: so- it to Peter he King. Pretty kind
1: much of, confer- yes, pretty much, and then he said that." Uh, the Jets have been pretty forthright, which means, uh, I think... No thank you, Zach. By showing up in BYU uh, with their coach and GM when the 49ers only sent John Lynch and left Kyle Shanahan at home. Um, I mean, personally, I would love to see Zach Wilson play for the 49ers. I mean, all Niner fans... Uh, have this image of the last time they won a Super Bowl is with a BYU quarterback named Steve Young. <laughs> and uh, there is the BYU just,
0: thing. Forget about who cares about the quarterback as long as they came from BYU.
1: Unless <laughs> one of Joe Montana's kids wants to come back and play some more football. Yes, that's what they would have to settle <laughs> with. So, I mean, there's three or four quarterbacks on the board that Kyle Shanahan has fallen in love with. And the 49ers are going to get one. And I,
0: do you believe that? Do you believe that there's that? They have to three. know which one. They have to, Cam. They're, they're going to spend three first-round picks on a quarterback. It can't just be whichever quarterback falls to us is fine. You don't use up all that draft capital unless you love somebody, right?
1: I agree. And I think, honestly, as much as we may think we know stuff in the media and everybody likes to be an expert, I think we probably know 10% of what – I think these guys know exactly what everybody's doing. Yes. And and I think Kyle Shanahan knows that the guy he wants will be there at number three, and it's not the guy that the Jets want. So um, this, to me though, this is really this is Kyle Shanahan's deal. This is um, three of the four seasons he's been the 49er coach have been obliterated because of quarterback injuries or inefficiency, and it's been an accepted excuse. Uh, the ownership has backed every request he's had, and this is his biggest ask. And I think it's one that everybody can understand. And the fact that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan got contract extensions a year ago, it affords them a couple more years to uh, play this game of bringing in a new quarterback. Um, but the fact that they don't have to abandon Jimmy Garoppolo, um, I think that speaks well, not only for Jimmy, but his presence in the locker room in that everybody still has Jimmy Garoppolo's back. I mean, their, their slogan is, we've got your back. I mean, do they want to say, we've got your back until you sprain an ankle in week two and you're done. Um, so they still have Jimmy Garoppolo there to kind of steer the ship until uh, he gets hurt or if this rookie comes in and just is phenomenal. But the problem with that, Lindsay, is there's probably not going to be an a, a off-season program to show that on wow. the field. And to show up in late July for a cram session, that's asking so much for a a team that's built to win now rather than in two years.
0: Do you think, and we'll get back to Jimmy Garoppolo in just a minute, but I'd like to try and figure out who this quarterback is (laughs) that they love so much, right? And that's obviously going to be the Uh game that we're all going to play for the the next month here. But it feels like there are three guys, assuming that one and two are locked in at Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So we're looking at either Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones. Yes. Um, Do you have any opinion about whether any of those make sense or don't make sense?
1: Yes, I think all three of them make sense, Lindsay. I have not uh, thrown my support behind any candidate necessarily. Although, I mean, you could pick and choose about every single one, which is going to make the next month somewhat fun. I mean, Mm -hmm. we can, there's going to be so much overthinking this. And I want to start with Justin Fields because this Ohio state quarterback has played in some big games, obviously he played very well against uh, Clemson and he has a Kyle Shanahan connection. Having been coached by uh, Kyle four years ago at a high school clinic in thousand Oaks, uh, the QB collective. And, you know, Kyle can downplay it as, ah, it's the only time I've done that. It was really kind of a cool experience and I'm sure it was, but guess what? That means he knows about Justin Fields and he's Mm -hmm. seen Justin Fields on the big stage. And Justin Field has a big arm, and he can run fast. And Kyle Shanahan, as much as everybody thinks he just wants a pocket passer who's stoic back there, he wants somebody that's, that can run and can be mobile. Um, which brings us to Trey Is Lance. that a
0: new thing? That, uh, is he adapting as a coach I, in terms I of think, what he's well, looking for? I, I,
1: I, well, I think it's two things. One, yes, he's adapting. But, I mean, I'm, remember, he had RG3, so he had, he's had a quarterback that can run. It's also just. But he didn't the, want
0: him, supposedly.
1: No, but he liked Kirk Cousins too, right? And Kirk Cousins is not A zone read runner. Um, I, but I, from what I hear, he does want a running quarterback. He he just wants it. I mean, look at his offense. He he just loves to have versatility and motion yes. and just w- ways to deceive people. And if you can add an extra element at quarterback, mm-hmm. um, it, it's great. I mean, but I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is not that. But at the same time. Jimmy has this quick release and just has the poise in the pocket that he'd like. If he had better protection, that would help him too. Um, but then on to Trey Lance, this kid from North Dakota State that we haven't seen much of. Um, he's a six four kid with extreme speed. He's got a big arm. Uh, my next door neighbor Dave went to North Dakota State and says he'd be great, so he has that going for him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the level of scouting I mean, you are doing here.
1: I mean, yeah, let's leave the uh, the X's and O's to Daniel Jeremiah and everybody. But me, I just look for. But hey, you've seen this guy all the time as a as an alum. Do you vouch for him? Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and I and and you know, Kyle briefly touched talk about one or two of these guys. And he said he would love to have seen more of Trey Lance. He would have loved to see more of Zach Wilson. um, If the pandemic hadn't robbed everybody of some games, he'd also would have loved to be able to dine everybody and have each of them work out for him. So I think he leaves open the window that there is some um, speculation and work to do on this. I just, I mean, he did it with a great poker face, so I I don't necessarily buy it either. Um,
0: What about Mac Jones? Because that's the one that a lot like Michael Lombardi, there are some people that are going all in on like Chris Sims, obviously, who has a relationship with Kyle Shanahan, who Kyle Shanahan says knows nothing about what his pick is going to be. So don't Uh, read into his analysis. But um, there are a lot of people who know Kyle Shanahan or just, you know, the NFL well that say that Mac Jones makes the most sense for him. So they're convinced, although they say also that it doesn't make any sense to move up that high to go get Mac Jones because they might've been able to get him a lot lower. I don't know.
1: Well, I'll say this on the, on that front of whether they moved up too high to get him. uh, The reason they moved up was because they, they saw the quarterback market. They saw Mm -hmm. what teams needed a quarterback. And if they identified him as their guy, I have no problem with them going up to three to get up. If, If he either way, your legacy and your tenure with the 49ers is going to be rooted with whatever quarterback you're taking. Um, if he's your guy, get him at three. Um, is he the guy? I don't know. You know who knows, Lindsay? Is Kyle Shanahan? Yeah. Probably John Lynch. Probably Jed and John York. And then maybe Mike Shanahan. And that is it. I, everybody else that says, oh, the whispers are, it's all Mac Jones. That's great. Everybody right. in the NFL talks. But yeah not everybody knows um, what they're going to do. And there's too much of a competition to try to say, oh, I know what's going to happen, right? I mean, guess what? In 2018, I was like one of the few people that said, Mike Mike McGlinch is going to be the 49ers first round pick. What did that do for me? It doesn't mean anything, right? Um, Nobody had them necessarily getting Brandon Ayuk uh, as their wide receiver in the first round last year when Mm. they could have had CeeDee Lamb, right? They could have had Jerry Judy. Uh, those guys are on the board. We all said, they're going to get him. No, they're going to get DeForest Buckner's replaced. So that's part of the beauty of the draft is we all can pretend we're experts. And when we're not, or even if we are, people forget about it because you moved on to, hey, what's next? So um, if Mac Jones is the pick and he becomes exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants because he's kind of similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I don't know enough about Mac Jones to say that um, he's good or bad. I, I think a lot of people can say that and they have their own judgments about him. I've seen him play. He's on a winning team. He had a tremendous supporting cast. Well, guess what? When he goes to the pros and if he comes to the 49ers, he's going to have a tremendous supporting cast.
0: And a coach and, that will put him in great uh, situations, all of the above. You're totally right. So that right. knock against him, if we don't really know how good he is because he was on a good team, well, <laughs> I mean, he's going to Kyle Shanahan if this is the scenario as it plays out. I think yeah, and, okay. you will know, be
1: So here's my question to you is, do we overvalue Kyle Shanahan? I've covered the 49ers for 20 years or 21 years. And I just, I'm, I'm fully confident in him as a head coach. I think he's a great head coach. I think how he relates to the players, um, how he controls games, how he can scheme up plays, obviously is that's his bread and butter. Um, Is he snake bit in Super Bowls? That's something that people may have to come to terms with Mm. if it gets sketchy again. Um, but well, that's a okay. problem.
0: Uh, 49ers fans would love to figure out. Like, yes. let's get to a Super Bowl and then we'll figure yeah. out if he has issues in the biggest game. Yes,
1: but you know what he has going for him best is he has the ownership support. Um, and the York family ownership, since they took control about 20 years ago, um. there were were questions whether they would, you know, whether they were all in this in terms, like, do they have too much of a quick trigger? They went through a lot of different coaches there from Harbaugh to Tom Sula to Chip Kelly uh, to now to Shanahan. But in all these four years, they've really created a harmonious work environment that I haven't seen on the 49ers. And that is why these guys have great job security and why they can make a big move like this. And Mm -hmm. Kyle has gotten every. Now, from what we've seen, Kyle's gotten everything he's wanted, From it's whether it's the six-year contract that he came with, whether it's handpicking John Lynch, whether it's every year they have awarded a record-setting deal to somebody, whether it's a fullback, whether it was Garoppolo in 2018. Um, 2019, you saw George Kittle get his deal. You saw Trent Williams get paid this year. So they have like this six Lombardi trophy on layover that they keep paying towards, and they finally want to get it. And Maybe this first round draft pick is what's finally going to put him over the top in the next year or two.
0: I mean, but to go back to your question about whether we overvalue him, this last season, this last season's a tough one, right? Like we're, yeah. I think most of us are willing to give them a pass on this last season because of the sheer number of injuries yeah. that they were hit with in a pandemic season. I mean, right. it was a total right. anomaly, and there nobody nobody gets through that, so um I, but I, what i think is so impressive is how he does figure out ways to use people and he's so consistently been in the mix and he's creative and i think we love that and i think that there there was a year there where people were asking that same question about sean mcveigh right did we overreact to him did we give him the genius label too soon and then you know there he is he's he's right back at it and and now they're making moves to fill what I think a lot of us thought was a hole that they had on offense at the quarterback position so i I love what Kyle Shanahan has done so far in the NFL and I think that he's earned um, the long leash I guess that that ownership yeah. has given with him up there and I think that's the best way to build a, a really good, team that can be good for a long time is when everybody's on the same page and really respects one another and it feels like that's what they have up there and not only like in the first couple of years they didn't hit on all of the early round mm-hmm. draft picks yeah. you know Solomon right. Thomas is the first person I thought of actually when you were talking about Justin Fields and his his backstory is history with Kyle Shannon because so I was thinking well the Niners actually don't have a great track record when it comes to picking guys that you have like this you know history with but um, but they, but they where, also. Where, I was looking at some of their late round draft picks, like they, the guys that they brought in as undrafted free agents. They've crushed it. Yeah. They've made really good moves.
1: Well, well. Two things on that first. Solomon Thomas had a business class with John Lynch, right at yeah. Stanford. So there's that connection. Yeah. And it was just that was just a terrible pick. He just he didn't fit that scheme or whatever. And he's a really wonderful guy. And I wish him well with the Raiders. Um, but then you do look at their other hits that they've had with George Kittle as a fifth. In the rounder. fifth round. You Where had Fred Warner. Fred Warner three years ago was an mm-hmm. all-pro or three years ago, he was a third rounder. Now he's an all pro that all the college volume backers are coming out saying he's a guy I look up to. It's like, what, wow, yeah. how did this escalate so fast? Um, and and then the system, especially the run oriented system, the outside zone, it just benefits running backs so well uh, if they're fast and can read um, plays so well. And that's why you see Raheem Mostert go from a special teams ace to a superstar and Jeff Wilson jr. One of your undrafted undrafted rookies that they snagged. So, um, but that's kind of the beauty of the NFL. Like, you know, in past years, gosh, when they went to the Super Bowls, but in 2012, like they had like 20 guys that were undrafted free agents, like undra- undrafted into the league that were on their roster. And it's just cool that it just shows in the NFL, you don't have to be drafted, you just have to get an opportunity and be in the right spot at the right time and really put in the work. And yeah. you might get rewarded with it.
0: And the right spot at the right time is so huge. And I think that's one of the things that I give to Shanahan. Like, You know, when when they um, traded Brita, I remember thinking, Mm -hmm. they didn't get enough for Brita. Well, it turns out that maybe Brita was good in that specific system. You know, that they might have made Brita Mm -hmm. even look better, well, certainly than he did elsewhere, right? Like, Yeah. um, So I want to go back to one of the things that he said, again, back to the tea leaf reading, um, in the press conference that I thought was very interesting. Because, of course, he was asked about, Kyle Shanahan was asked about the fact that he... Uh, didn't go to a lot of pro days this year. Doesn't show up at all of them, and hadn't gone to Trey Lance's pro day, and you know hadn't been making, um, had been making appearances on the circuit. But he was going to go to Tuscaloosa to mm-hmm. watch Mac Jones, and he said uh, that he'd grown up in the idea that you don't want to go everywhere and show people things. Essentially, like I'm going to keep uh, my cards close to my vest, and I don't want to tip off people about what I'm interested in by my mere presence. But now that he's number three, quote, you don't have to hide as much. So I thought that was a very interesting comment. You could read that into like now we're free to look at quarterbacks. But I think it's more specific than that. Tell me if you disagree, because we see people go to all of the quarterback pro days. All the time. Like, why would he not be allowed to be seen at Trey Lance's pro day? Everybody knows that they're at least open to the idea of a quarterback this offseason. You could go look at Trey Lance and not have anybody know that that means that you might be willing to move up to number three to go get him or anything. I don't I don't understand that. So I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that he's going to go to this pro day in Tuscaloosa to watch Mac Jones. Tell me why I'm wrong.
1: I would say you're wrong, but you're not wrong. But I would say the devil's advocate is, and he even pointed this out is he gets to go there instead of Ohio State because Justin Fields is going to work out separately for him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, is Mac Jones going to work out separately for him or Kyle's just going to go there? Because Alabama has a lot of good players and the Niners have eight other
0: draft picks teams. But, okay, but if you know who you're going to get at number three, yeah. And you feel like you don't have to hide anymore. Right. Then why are you going to watch anyone that is not your number three overall pick quarterback that you're madly in love with that you're going to spend three first round picks on? Why Why still smokescreen us?
1: Maybe because he wants to get out of the house because we've all been trapped in a <laughs> pandemic for a year.
0: I feel that, Cam. I
1: feel that <laughs> <Right>? so deeply. <laughs> you know what, though? Kyle is a guy, and he, this is how he said it over the years. He studies so much film. He's the eye in the sky doesn't like eye, right? Hmm. He loves to like turn on his um, Little Wayne music and sit and watch game film. Is that what he listens to? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. He
1: he named his son Carter. So I mean, yes, it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, he's totally into it. I mean, and so that's why, I mean, he's identified probably the guy that he wants um, and why he's going on this to get out of, I don't know if I would pick Alabama. I used to have relatives there, so I don't, not knock in the state, but I mean that they have a it's great a program, a lot trip. of talent.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: It is a specific trip, but <laughs> guess what? Maybe they're going to see Mac Jones. Maybe they're going to see Trey Lance the next day. I mean, that's you, you're going East, right? Maybe that's kind of a, Oh, we can hit him first. And then we go up to see Trey Lance. Maybe you go see Justin Fields. Maybe if they're doing a little circuit, maybe we should find out um, the John York, Jed York uh, charter flight under whatever how track airplanes and see where they go next.
0: Maybe he's going to meet with Bill
1: Belichick. Um, I don't think they have to meet. They have a direct line going back to uh, <laughs> uh, 2017 when they sent Jimmy his way already. I, I tell you, you know, I spent all off season saying Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback going into this year. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily because of, uh, not that I, I was taking them for their word because that's what they've maintained. I just said, read the room. Is there a better option out there to come in to lead this, uh, this team? Um, if the Green Bay Packers wanted to part with Aaron Rodgers to bring it home to Northern California to rectify yes. the 2005 mistake, sure. Yes. Matthew Stafford, I wasn't totally sold on. Um, but, you know, that was a possibility. But And then Deshaun Watson was in the running for a little while before everything went haywire in his world. Um, and, and so the rookie that comes in and everything we heard Lindsay with what Kyle and John said at this press conference, um, was in no way to dispel the notion that they want this rookie to come in and learn behind Garoppolo. They don't want to thrust him in, um, trial by fire on a playoff contending team with no offseason workouts.
0: And I mean, that obviously makes a ton of sense under the circumstances, yeah. There is the possibility that people will raise that that is also a smokescreen to get whatever price up for Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't believe that to be the case, though.
1: Then then who is the backup quarterback that you're going to entrust yeah. that roster to? Because With a good, no. with a
0: good roster, because that's another point that he kept making. Is that They were roster. able to keep yes. a lot of their free agents home in a yes. way that he didn't necessarily anticipate. So he thinks that they have a team where they can go win it. I don't disagree. So why would you roll out a very inexperienced quarterback and throw that all into
1: your, your options to back up this rookie is, is right now it's Josh Johnson and Josh Rosen and neither one have taken us. Neither one has taken a snap in your offense. Mm -mm. So you can't trust that. I mean, they brought in Joe Flacco last week for Alexi and then Joe went to Philly and Flacco had some experience in the system back in Denver, but it was never something serious. So, That's. I think this is boom. This this is what they're going to do. They're going to go one two here. I mean, if they went with the rookie and maybe Flacco because of his experience, maybe, but not now.
0: No. Okay. That that makes sense. Is and then playing that out. If if Garoppolo got them to a Super Bowl, if they won the Super Bowl with him, then then what do they then trade Garoppolo at the height of his trade powers? How does how does that go?
1: That's fascinating because the way they painted it today was a one-year deal. Like Jimmy, like they pretty much outright said he's a lame duck quarterback this year. And my my follow-up question was, well, what kind of pushback does Jimmy have on this? Because Jimmy's been absolutely silent all offseason. His agents have been silent, okay? Jimmy's not the kind of quarterback that he, at least from what I've seen in four years, where he's going to be... demanding a trade or, you know, demanding more respect, figuring that he, he's kind of a realist saying, look, I know I haven't been on the field half the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand you have to um, strengthen the position for the sake of the team. I I get that vibe from Jimmy, but at the same time, this is two consecutive off seasons where they've gone looking for your replacement. Last year was Tom Brady. And now they're bringing, bringing in a rookie that they're not going to ask him to mentor. Uh, um, but they're going to want this rookie ready to go in case Jimmy can't. So what? it's it's fascinating.
0: Do you, I, you I just could I, you see I, Jimmy I, having success this season?
1: Oh, absolutely. And then so you get back to your point of if he wins a Super Bowl, then what? Okay, in the in the Bay Area in the 49ers land, it's all about the Super Bowl. If he wins that, uh, that's erases the whatever mistakes that they made in the fourth quarter a couple of years earlier. His stock is skyrocketed. Everybody's going to want Jimmy Garoppolo again. He's going to have everybody charmed with the feels great baby. Nobody's going to want to get rid of him. And then you're going to be in a situation where, well, we have enough cap space where we can carry Jimmy another year and the rookie because Jimmy's still under contract. You could write it out for another year financially, uh, emotionally, and it's just how long can you go with a number it, three overall? Cause, I think cause so. then, I mean,
0: well, and you need to get him in. I mean, it's the Jordan Love situation, right? Where you need to see him play by a certain time. So you really have enough um, to know whether or not you could pick up his option. Like well, just you, you need well, to get him I, on the field. Plus, yeah, then there's and, that whole thing about the three number ones that you actually spent on this Yeah,
1: game. well, it's okay. They blew number ones with Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster, so nobody was going to Not three. no Gareth. Not three.
0: <laughs> See, the, that's the thing about this quarterback that, that I am the most, like, they have to love one. I am not buying the whole Peter King thing that they don't know and they just moved up and they're going to make a decision moving forward. I think they have to know who they, even if it was just the number three overall pick, in order to pull the trigger for a quarterback there, you have to love them. You don't just take one because that's who came to you. But if you're going to use three first-round picks for a quarterback, they have to think this is the guy that they can build a franchise around, not just like, oh, well, I hope.
1: Yeah. The other thing just to keep in mind is the the whole spectrum of a quarterback change or an imminent one, that's going to be a distraction no matter what. Um, by saying whoever you're getting, whoever that one is, Lindsay, and I I totally agree with you, whoever that one is, they are trying to, you know, stop any controversy now, saying, Oh, he's not, he's not, we're not putting him in right away. Mm. Um, I mean, look, the That's 49ers are the one yeah, the 40, take it off the table. The, they set the bar for quarterback controversies by bringing Steve Young in an 87 to, to back up Joe Montana, right? Uh, the Jeff or the uh, the Colin Kaepernick Alex Smith transition in 2012 wasn't merely. As heated, But around the Bay Area, it certainly was because Alex had battled through so many low times. Um, and then just when they were getting good and he was playing at his peak, he gets concussed and Kaepernick replaces him. And then Alex goes to KC, which is where the model is, basically, that the 49ers are trying to follow. They're trying to follow the uh, Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes success at the Chiefs showed.
0: So what do you think is next here? What's the next clue that you were looking for?
1: Mm. um i'd be curious to know which of these three quarterbacks they're doing even more and more background on right because that's something that shanahan said was it's hard in this um no no combine mm. and no no visits to really get to know the guy so they have to do all these extra background um vices like so Whoever's uh, assistant high school football coach is getting called, or third grade math teacher, um, that might be a signal that that's the guy. But I mean, that's, so I guess we got some work to do the next few weeks to call some people up in uh, all their states. Was it um, Mac Jones? <laughs> Mac Jones is from I think Jacksonville. Uh, Trey Lance is from Georgia. Or no, where's Trey Lance from? But I know that uh, Justin field is from Georgia, and Trey Lance is from Minnesota, I believe. So. Do uh, you got contacts here. I can call my neighbor over. Neighbor day. Yeah, exactly. You know, your right neighbor. Up.
0: Your neighbor knows some people at North Dakota State. It sounds like I. I look forward to reading your write ups about their uh, sixth grade PE teachers and yeah. you know what we yeah, know don't about knock, them.
1: don't knock. Well, don't knock the teachers. They are awesome, right? They're like the heroes to all this too. So it's good.
0: They sure are. I'd I'd like yeah. them to take my children and and take the job out <laughs> of my hands completely, but that's another um, podcast. Kim uh, Inman, thank you so much. I really appreciate this.
1: My pleasure, Lindy. It was so nice talking to you. And um, anytime there's crazy 49er talk, just feel free to hit me up again, which is probably in a month and then <laughs> another year and then another year. Exactly. Awesome. Once we
0: know who the pick is, then we'll meet back again to talk about all the reasons it was probably the wrong pick.
1: The pick <laughs> is in and Kyle Shanahan is on the clock.
0: <laughs> Love it. Uh,
1: all right. Well, good deal. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate it. So that's how things look for the Niners post-Dolphins trade. What about Miami? What do their moves on Friday mean for them? We'll be back with Safed Dean from the Sun-Sentinel after this. Back now with Safed Dean from the Sun-Sentinel, Dolphins beat writer. How many years have you covered the team?
2: Uh, This is three going on four. So exciting to see what Brian Flores, Tua Bailoa, everything that's happening here in Miami. It's a real, real exciting time. That's for sure.
0: It's a lot. They're keeping you busy. You recovered from Friday yet? All of those moving parts coming at I'm, you fast. I'm kind of mad at the
2: Dolphins. I was getting ready to go to the beach, enjoy awesome. my Friday here. And then they just they just took over the whole NFL cycle with two trades on Friday. So the Dolphins owe me a beach day. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, Safet, I don't think very many people are feeling all too sorry for you <laughs> living down there in Miami, missing oh. out on the beach day. <laughs> there will be more.
2: I'm sorry for rubbing it in, everybody. So sorry.
0: <laughs> um, it's It has been kind of a rough decade down there for Dolphins fans. Um, so I would imagine that this move is going over fairly well down there. Chris Greer working the board somewhat masterfully.
2: I would say two decades, honestly. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's there was like one time. year
0: where they, you know, did pretty well. I kind of gave that to them.
2: But. There were a couple playoff birds there, but it's been a long time coming since, you know, Dan Marino retired here in South Florida for a Dolphins fan. It's been, you know, two decades of frustrating, frustrating football. And so Tua vailoa the fifth pick in the 2020 draft was supposed to be, you know, the next coming or the next best quarterback for the Dolphins here. And, the Rocky rookie season, I wouldn't even say Rocky. I think Rocky's a little uh, unfair to, t- uh, you know, to uh, play pretty well with six and three, nine games, um, showed, showed signs of being a rookie, which is fine. And, and he's coming back from the hip injury too. So I'm um, excited for him in, in year two, what he's going to do for this Dolphins franchise. And the moves the Dolphins have made have definitely shown that they are invested in him, you know, at least for a little bit longer than, than, than the short term here coming up.
0: Okay, let's talk about that before we get into what they do now because of the moves that they've made. Because this this does indicate that they are all in on Tua for at least one more year. Because then mm-hmm. they've set themselves up to to maybe make a move for a quarterback in the next couple of years if this doesn't work out. But there were some people who saw Tua play this year who were less than, let's say, they were underwhelmed. Right? Like it 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 went fine. But especially since you moved away from Ryan Fitzpatrick and it felt like the offense was actually more explosive and clicked more when Ryan Fitzpatrick was under center, what makes you say that that he's the right guy and that they feel like they're on the right path with him? Why would they go all in on Tua?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, they kind of have to. You, when you don't spend a fifth pick on a quarterback, like Tuatunga Vailoa, if you're not going to be all in on him. And I think more importantly, too, we heard all the Deshaun Watson rumors all the beginning of this year, since January, of him wanting out of Houston. And, you know, unfortunately for him and unfortunately for the people involved in his situation going forward, you know, the lawsuits, the sexual misconduct allegations um, upwards of reaching almost 20 now. And who knows how many more can be. Um, All of that situation really put a damper on his trade value when he'll be traded, Um, I don't expect any of that to be resolved anytime before the draft next month. And I think the Dolphins saw that as well too. And so Chris Greer and Brian Flores, they decided, Hey, let's take our picks. Let's try to make some moves. Um, You know, let's, let's try to get some assets along the way for the future as well. And you saw they move from three to 12, then back up to six. Um, Unfortunately, you know, it was a great move with San Fran to get two draft picks, two first round picks from them. And the Dolphins had to pay one of those picks to go move back up to six for the Eagles. But I think I applaud the Dolphins for the move because they, at number six, get to pick whichever player they want. And yeah. they may not have been afforded that opportunity at number 12. And I think that's probably the biggest thing here, along with them investing into it for the future.
0: The assumption being that the first four guys off the board will probably be quarterbacks and then the Bengals, we all expect, will go offensive line. And so now if you're sitting at six um, with mm. essentially the same group of options that you had at number three that you were interested in, in terms of pass catchers, where do you think they go at that position?
2: You know, um, there was a report out that, that we saw here on Monday that said that Joe Burrow is trying to reunite with Jamar Chase with that number five pick. So if they get, Jam- you know, the Bengals get Jamar Chase at number five, you take out.
0: Why would Joe Burrow, of all people, <laughs> be like, don't protect me? Like, he needs protection. Joe, No. Well,
2: Did you see what they did at LSU in 2019? I think Joe Burrow remembers. I think Jamar Chase remembers. Um, And I think if you get him somebody to throw the football to uh, in a matter of three seconds or less, then I don't think Joe Burrow minds taking a couple hits if he can throw it to Jamar Chase. I kind of like that move for them, honestly. I mean, Penny Sewell is obviously, you know, arguably the best left tackle in the draft. It would make plenty of sense for Cincinnati to go get them. But if you get a run-of-the-mill offensive lineman and you have a a star-wide receiver for Joe Burrow to throw to, I think Joe Burrow would kind of prefer that a little bit more uh, than some protection that he could probably get from somebody else. That's too valuable of a pick, but you know, okay.
0: so, so maybe Jamar chase then goes at five, right? Which yeah. still leaves the dolphins with an awful lot of choices there. Which one do you think makes the most sense? Because you've got Jamar chase, you've got Jalen Waddle, you've got Devonte Smith, you have mm. Kyle Pitts, the tight end. Uh, it feels like there are a lot of different, you know, playmakers who are who all are kind of different stylistically. So I'm curious about now that they're building an offense around Tua, right, to play mm-hmm. to his strengths. What exactly does that mean? What kind of weapon is that?
2: Yeah, for for Tua tonga I can easily see any of these three players really working out for them, whether it's Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith from Alabama because he played with them in college. Or even Florida's uh, Kyle Pitts. Uh, somebody, a personal favorite of mine, I'm a Florida Gator, so maybe yeah. I have some bias there. But um, those are the three of the best pass catchers behind Jamar Chase. Um, you know, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle all played with Tua Bailoa three years at Alabama. Not only did they play on the field, but they spent all that time off the field together, too. That familiarity. Could do it could work wonders for Tua Tango here in Miami. As so we saw it work for him in Alabama. That probably leads to a little bit of the some of the, the the struggles that Tua had during his rookie season, too. He wasn't as familiar with these guys that he was throwing to. Some guys also got hurt as well. Um, so I could definitely see the Dolphins getting a player that Tua has already played with, like Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. But Kyle Pitts is just a whole other animal in its own. Um, you know, six four, a great passing target, guy who can catch everything in the end zone can, you know, leave DBs in his dust and, and, and and leave linebackers in the dust the same way too. So I'm interested to see what the Dolphins do here. Obviously this is a pick that they decided was worth two first round picks because you gave away one of the San Fran picks to pick. So if it's Kyle Pitts, if you think he's worth two first round picks, or you think Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are worth two first round picks, I sure hope they are. Um, because it's, it's a big pick for the Dolphins here. They have to build around to a by low and give him a the passing target. And I think one of those three guys would do a great job doing so.
0: Does Kyle Pitts make sense <clears throat> considering you have Mike Gesicki and obviously the position itself, I'm not saying that Mike Gesicki is like the best tight end in the NFL, but it's not mm-hmm. a hole really. Right. And they yeah. need a lot of, they need a playmaker at wide receiver. You could, you could argue that the way that tight ends are used now, that could be your best playmaker period. I mean, in the case of like Kelsey, you've, You've got yeah. lots of options out there at tight end where you could point to that argument. Um, maybe a too tight also package would, would be nice as well. But what, what, do, what do you think makes the most sense if you had to just call it and say, because my guess is if they move back up from 12 to six, my thought is that there was one specific one that they think, not that you necessarily know who that is, but that they think is the best option for them. Or else, if they stay at twelve, one of those might fall to them, right? Probably would.
2: Yeah, I think if they stayed at twelve, well, first of all, we would all be wondering why they slipped all the way from three to twelve. You know, why didn't they go and try to just take the player that they wanted? And who knows who's left over at that point? The Giants at eleven seem to like they'll take a running. uh, Excuse me, take a wide receiver. Um, Some other teams in that mix too. Maybe if they don't go defender, take a receiver too. So the Dolphins are kind of left not getting the choice of who they really wanted. And I think if you're going to pay two first round picks um, for me, I think it's Kyle Pitts. Honestly, I think a lot of people have rated him as a future hall of famer, um, you know, in this draft class, which is, is too much of an expectation for a rookie, a guy who's never played an NFL snap yet. But if you're confident in his talent and you feel like that's worth paying for with the two first round picks, you take him at six. Um, The familiarity familiarity, Helps Tua tonga with, with Jamar Chase, excuse me, with Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. But Kyle Pitts, who cares if you have Mike Kosicki? Who cares if you have two tight ends? You're not getting Kyle Pitts to come and block for your running game, even though Brian Flores wants to run the ball and pound the football. You're getting a player for Tua tonga to throw the football to. And if Kyle Pitts is lining up a tight end, wide receiver, in the slot, doesn't matter where you put him on the field. He's going to catch any pass if you throw his way. Um, and that's why I would pick Kyle Pitts if I were the Dolphins at number six.
0: If you get Kyle Pitts, do you keep Gasicki and build around both of them? Or do Mm -hmm. you potentially package him and get some value back? There are a lot of teams that could use a tight end like him.
2: Yeah, Gasicki is an interesting, you know, case study for the Dolphins, too, because I think he has a year left on his rookie deal. If not two, Um, the Dolphins aren't really too prone to re-signing guys after their rookie deals, although Gasicki would be a nice pick. If they take a receiver. But if you get Kyle Pitts and you get Kasiki, you could either let Kasiki walk or resign him and keep him. I mean, the Dolphins in 2019 under Brian Flores, the first year, they kind of moved Kasiki off the tight end and into a slot position to be a little bit more of a glorified receiver. If you want him to stick to that same role on offense, it's worth keeping him. But I think the players on the Dolphins roster right now, they have probably a one to two year shelf life here. The Dolphins are making moves to the future. Not so much really for the present. Um, so I see guys like Devontae Parker, even Preston Williams, Shaquem Grant. Um, guys are on the team right now or, or on the team last season, I definitely see some of those players not really lasting here more than a year or two after this. So the players that you get in the draft right now are going to be the ones that you build a future on.
0: There are some people that think that they should have stayed at 12, that they shouldn't have actually given up that extra first-round pick that they had in 2022 two um to go back up to six what's your take on that
2: um you didn't want to miss out on one of the top four guys whether it's chase smith waddle or Pitts. um and i think one of those guys probably would have been there at 12 only because you have guys like Minka parsons out of penn state uh caleb farley the cornerback from tech i believe um patrick sertan is in the mix there to be a top 10 pick as well in a Sewell, somebody's going to get him or somebody's going to take the left tackle from Northwestern. There's a bunch of guys in that mix that probably would have filled out the top 10 that one of the receivers would have lasted that 12 to you um, if you're Miami, but, you know, I applaud the move. I think if the Dolphins really want to go get somebody, they should go get them. Um, and that's been probably one thing that hasn't happened down here um, with the Dolphins. You know, filling up the roster, paying premium prices for a premium player. The Dolphins need a premium receiving target and, and that's what they can get with this number six pick.
0: Did they leave themselves enough ammunition to possibly move up next year to get a quarterback if Tua doesn't pan out the way that they're hoping that he will this year?
2: Um, I don't know if they have enough. I think the when you when you first think of them trading with San Francisco and getting two future first-round picks, to me, the first thing that signaled was is if Deshaun Watson's legal situations become resolved in the next year, you have two first-round picks to trade towards Houston— um, but giving up one of those picks, you know, it definitely leaves a little bit less in the tank. Maybe somebody's interested in that 23, 23 pick, um, but that's two drafts from now after the 21 draft that we're going to have next month. Um, so we'll see. They're going to be either all in on Tua or the first round pick that they have next year is going to be the pick that they have to make. Um, or maybe they give Tua two more years. We'll see. But um, look, Tua tonga is a young quarterback. Last year it was... You know a year removed from him having a gruesome gruesome hip injury we saw him you know bloody you know broke his nose needed help off the field was in an incredible amount of pain and for him to come back to 100 to play nine games last season to get his feet weight in the nfl set the foundation for an off season he's going through now where he's working out four or five times a week you know whether it's strength training football training um he's really going hard this offseason with hopes to make a bigger jump in his second year and if he does that the Dolphins seem to be in pretty good shape with him after drafting him
0: what is the expectation there with regard to what that jump will look like in what way will Tua be a different quarterback in year two than he was in year one
2: yeah you're hoping obviously for him to to feel a little bit um more secure in the hip um not to say that he didn't feel like that um, at times during his rookie season, but I'm sure it was lingering. mine kind of sink up a little bit more. There's probably some times where Tua wanted to make some moves that he's used to making or things we saw from him at Alabama, and maybe the hip didn't catch all the way up to him. Um, but also what you're hoping two years after this is for him to be a little bit more comfortable with the receiving targets he has with him to be a little bit more comfortable playing in the NFL and reading defenses and not being scared to throw the football downfield. And then you're hoping with the dolphins, they have two, you know, a co-offensive coordinator uh, situation going on here. You're hoping this new offense kind of leads to it uh, into doing the things that are best for him, whether it's, you know, finding guys downfield or, or for him to throw graceful passes that he did at Alabama that went for big scores. Um, you're looking for two to have some more chemistry here on offense and the dolphins to be a little bit more explosive on offense moving forward.
0: You've mentioned Watson a couple of times and that not being an option for Miami under the circumstances. What was your understanding about their interest Look, in Watson prior to all really of these allegations, allegations becoming because public? Because they
2: had to a tongue bailoa. You know, imagine the Dolphins, Brian Flores, Chris Greer. You're, you're, you're trying to build a program here. You're trying to start from scratch. You're trying to get everybody to buy into your program here. Uh, Brian Flores seemed to make that happen after his first season. They went 5-11, and 11, but it seemed like the, t- the tide turned really dramatically. For them last season, and we saw them come out with ten wins. They were one game short of the playoff, but everything that you're trying to build—a family and a culture—all those things kind of go out the window if you're willing to part ways with Tua Tagovailoa after one season. That's not to discredit him as a player, although some people may have seen his play and felt underwhelmed, like you mentioned earlier. But Deshaun Watson was a proven top five quarterback, maybe even top two behind Patrick Mahomes. Um, led his team to an AFC title game, I believe, or really deep in the playoffs in 2019. Um, it's okay to want Deshaun Watson as a player if you had to with Tonga Bailoa. I felt the Dolphins felt like that. I felt Dolphin fans, some of them felt like that as well, too. But it doesn't really do the Dolphins any good if they express their uh, interest in Watson outwardly when you have to a after one season and, and the rocky year that you may have thought he had. So um, there, there was, was, there was some interest there and with their draft capital and the, and the picks that they had the number three pick and, you know, some other uh, ammunition that they had there, they did have one of the best trade packages they could have offered Houston, but his allegations definitely put a damper on all of those, those situations for the dolphins and, and for himself.
0: Was there ever any interest I'm in the to go I'm not sure if there was much to, interest, uh, but I think Wilson?
2: when you have any of the top five quarterbacks available, you definitely wanna figure out if you have a trade package that'll be there for you or or put you a player, make you a player, you know, for these trades. Um Russell Wilson, I believe he's what, seven, eight years in the league now. Um Deshaun Watson is just coming off his fourth season. So and Tua Bailo is a rookie who hopes to get where those quarterbacks are as a player when you have some years of development there too. So interest, I believe there probably was anytime if you're trying to look for an upgrade too, but the Dolphins are st- standing power with Tua tunga They're going to let him develop. They're going to build around him and they're hoping that he can lead them into you know a more prof- prosperous future.
0: Well, they've got the draft capital to build this team very nicely. Five picks in the top 100, two in the first round, the sixth overall pick, as we've talked about, and then the 18th overall (laughs) pick. Uh, No one's talking about that, at least nationally, because everyone's so focused Mm -hmm. on the sixth, but 18, they get to add another uh, piece. Know, a, a what direction do you think ample, they go in there?
2: Monk, draft wisdom would say they'd probably go edge rusher there. The Dolphins have a really, really big needed edge rusher. Um, you know, they got rid of Kava after one year, traded away Shaq Lawson for a linebacker. Um, you know, they have needed a yeah. defensive end really badly, especially after Cameron, Cameron Wake um, went to Tennessee a couple seasons ago. But... I don't know. For me, if if I'm the Dolphins, I'm I'm looking at Najee Harris uh, at number 18. I'm hoping the Cardinals at 16 don't take him. I think if the Cardinals take him as, uh, take Najee Harris at 16, it completes our offense with the pieces that they added and with Kyler Murray. Um, if he's there at 18, I'm um, the Dolphins. I try to take him. I think one of these edge rushers in that group of teens whether it's a Georgia kid, Notre Dame kid, Michigan kid, uh, Quedy Page, some Miami kids. Um, You know, there's a bunch of edge rushers, front seven guys in the teen range that are going to go. But those are going to not be day one impact guys. You know, those are going to be guys that you need to develop. And I think Najee Harris is a home run hitter as soon as he steps on the field. So, Dolphins should take him at 18. That's my opinion. I think Buffalo or Pittsburgh might be interested. If you don't take him at 18, I don't think he lasts in the second round. And if I'm the Dolphins, I try to set my offense up to the next couple of years um, with one of those receivers, whether it's Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and I take Najee Harris as well.
0: You mentioned (laughs) Kyle Van Noy. Um, who they cut for mm-hmm. financial reasons uh, was not happy about that move. Seemingly, what was <clears> up with that no comment comment when he was asked about the difference between Flores as a head coach and Flores as a linebacker coach? Which, of course, yeah, is what it doesn't he was help him comment, when he was in either New way I mean, before
2: comments or doesn't comment. And even we saw no comment is is saying a lot without saying much at all. Um,
0: no comment yeah. usually means I don't have anything nice to say. Like, so the 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 because I saw that he Mm -hmm. went on Pat McAfee and was like, oh, I couldn't win, you know, so I just said no comment. Well, saying no comment, like it means I have nothing nice to say, so I'm not going to say anything at all. That's how all of us read it. So I don't know. I didn't totally understand the like I couldn't win. Uh, What I read that as is that he's upset with Brian Flores for cutting him and thinking that he was an expendable piece and not like the guy that he wanted to build around defensively. I can and definitely so see that. You know, Calvin doesn't hide his upset.
2: emotions. He wears them on his sleeve for sure. Um, he's not afraid to express himself unless it's a no comment, I guess. But look, Brian Flores was his defensive coach in new England. They won <laughs> games together. They won super bowls together. Calvin Noy signed a four year deal worth $51 million last off season. Um, 15 million. He got last season. Uh, and after paying $15 million, Brian Flores, and Chris Greer decided to part ways with Kyle Benoit. Um, they say, saved... no,
0: there wasn't a bad relationship there, right? Between he no, and Brian Flores, so. and they think, did not see eye to eye.
2: Probably wasn't the most, you know, beloved teammate. I think maybe some of the leadership qualities and, and winning experience, maybe that'd be a little bit overblown um, for some of the Dolphins players on the team. Um, I think, you know, when you have a player, Calvin, or you think mean? of, you know, two times a bowl champion, experience, uh, leader in the locker room, things like that And sometimes those things can be overblown. Um, sometimes uh, it's what we know or what we say about a player because that's what we know, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes in the locker room, if he's really beloved by his teammates or things like that. But also if you think about it just from the Dolphins' money perspective, they saved about $10 million, 9 to $10 million just by cutting him. Um, you don't have to pay him the rest of the contract after paying 15 mil the first season. And more importantly, they took that $10 million and signed Will Fuller, a receiver that they needed. So, you know, purely, you know, business move here by the Dolphins. And I thought, you know, if Cobb Inouye wasn't a player or a star player, um, there was no need for the Dolphins to kind of wait out that whole contract. They parted ways with him, cut ties with him. It's a business. It's a ruthless business at times. Cobb Inouye got his feelings hurt. Um, but, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it is what it is.
0: I do like the Will Fuller move. I mean, I know some people aren't all in on it because of his lack of ability to stay on the field. And he's got that suspension looming. But I think he adds something really nice to that offense that has been lacking. Assuming that you're going to go add another pass catching option. Also, with that sixth pick, I think that that could package pretty nicely together. Miami's defense was obviously the strength of this team last year. Kind of carried them, especially when Tua was under center. What are our expectations with regard to what they'll look like this year? I think Does there's that a little bit of a back the, the back?
2: Um, You know, at one point last year, they were number one defense in the league. They finished sixth um, in that category. Um, Xavier Howard led the league with 10 interceptions. And the Dolphins, I believe, led the NFL with interceptions, or, or at least turnovers in that matter. But, um, you know, the game of football, turnovers are a real lucky thing. You have to be right there, right place, right time, especially with fumbles, turnovers, yeah. you know, you name it. Those things are, are just a draw of the luck, and sometimes teams either get that luck to be renewed, or they're not as lucky the next time around. Um, so with the Dolphins' defense, I think I expect a little bit of a step back, just because they need to fill an edge rusher role. You're missing Calvin, or you're missing Shaq Lawson. Although you still have Emmanuel Ogba, who led them in sacks last year. Uh, Jerome Baker's are really really exciting linebacker in the NFL, a guy of the Dolphins definitely should extend or resign when his contract is up. And then you have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones out manning the outside there. Um, One of the best cornerback tandems in the league. Um, So with that foundation, I think Brian Flores and his scheme can definitely um, still be a top 10 defense. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to get back to number one or have the turnovers to be as great as they were last year, but um, the Dolphins definitely have the pieces in
0: place for a good defense. Last question about the roster. we talked a little bit about running back earlier, Najee Harris, but that position feels like one that they have to address, right? In the draft, this has kind of been a gaping hole. I know some people don't really like using draft capital for running backs and the, the value um, return on that, but they have to go in that direction, right, at some point.
2: Well, the Dolphins running back poll, this has been a two-year hole they've tried to fill. Everybody knew they needed running back in the 2020 draft. And unfortunately for them, in the second round, a string of guys went off the board and they weren't able to get one. Uh, Right before they picked up a defensive tackle, Raekwon Davis, J.K. Dobbins was a pick um, by the Ravens at 35. That seemed like a shoe-in fit right there. Um, And a couple other guys, it was a string of guys, I think five of them went in the second round last year. The Dolphins didn't get one. So they signed Jordan Howard before that. They went and traded for Matt Breda, and those two guys didn't work out here at all. So, yes, the whole, it, it's even a little bit more glaring this time around for them. Um, that's why I think they should go get Najee Harris at 18. I know teams don't like to draft running backs in the first round. Go get a player who you think is going to be a game changer. Um, but more importantly, too, I think the top-heavy part of this draft in regards to running backs behind Harris, it's it's tra- uh, it's uh, Travis Santien from Clemson, and then, Javante Williams from North Carolina and some people I've spoken to actually believe Williams is better than both of them. Um, so the Dolphins have some options. If they don't pick anything up at 18, they have to pick one up at 36. But yes, running back is a major hole and that's a player that the Dolphins need, especially because they have Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, they want to do some RPO stuff. You need a running game. You need a threat in the backfield. Um, they have to fill that hole um, if Tua is going to take the next step he needs to take in the second season. All
0: right. Last question. The Hold on, statue. on, you said that
2: was the last question. I know. The last, well, the last
0: question about their <laughs> roster, I was very specific. There was a <laughs> clarification there at the end. My last question to you, period, the statue that we're going to build down there in Miami, is it going to be huh, of Chris Greer or is it going to be of Larry Tunsil?
2: It has to be of B Tunsil, right? I mean, this guy... The Dolphins got so lucky. This is a such a crazy tale. And especially when you think of Blair I Meetonzo, mean, what he went through on draft day, where the pitcher leaked of him with the gas mask uh, bong on. And, you know, it's it it plummeled his draft stock. He was supposed to be a top three pick that year, lasted all the way to 13. I think the Dolphins had the number eight pick that year and they traded back to 13. Took him. He played three, four really good seasons here, was almost a franchise left tackle. Left for Houston, became one of the highest paid left tackles in the league. And the Dolphins got two first-round picks, two second-round picks from Houston in that deal in 2019. Then they just traded this number three pick for the two first-round picks and a second-round pick, too. So all in all, Laramie Tunzel got four first-round picks, two <laughs> seconds, one-third. He deserves his his name in the Ring of <laughs> Honor and his trophy and, and a statue in front of the stadium because he's going to be the reason why Chris Greer and the Dolphins had this rebuild coming up. They they really need to pay homage to him for sure.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, at least he's enjoying it. I've seen that he's responding to some of this on social media and enjoying all the attention that he's getting somewhat indirectly. Okay, I lied. I lied. I have one more question. Okay. Could you see a scenario where they would trade back again from six?
2: Trade back from six? Well, you'd have to get another first-round pick, um, and you're hoping to see. Maybe you can get that But they already had one. Yeah. Right. Like, so
0: they already gave up a first round pick. So you would think it would have to even be more than that. I'm just wondering if there's a scenario that somebody offers a lot because they're desperate to come up and get a quarterback. Right. Cause there's yeah. so many teams that are just desperate for someone. I think.
2: I think if the Denver Broncos want to jump ahead of Carolina. They called the dolphins, especially if Jamar Chase is, is off the board at five there. Mm-hmm. Um, but who are the first three, four picks going to be, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. Justin Fields or Trey Lance? Maybe Mac
0: Jones.
2: Maybe Max Jones. I (laughs) see. Maybe Trey
0: Lance.
2: I I think. I think Atlanta, as much as Kyle Pitts would be amazing in that offense, I think Atlanta needs to get a quarterback, especially they're being so high up in the draft.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: But Carolina needs one. Denver needs one. The Patriots need one. Um, I don't see the Dolphins.
0: Washington might go make a move for one.
2: Yeah. If a team has some future picks to give up, the Dolphins will be willing to listen and give up for number six, but. I don't know how far back the Dolphins are willing to go. I think eight, nine. They got back into the top 10 for the reason, for a reason. And um, depending on how far down the draft is, I'm not sure if the deal gets done. But the phone's always open. Chris Greer's not afraid to make deals.
0: Obviously.
2: <laughs> yes, obviously.
0: I love it. I love the aggressive maneuvering. That's my kind of general manager. Okay. <laughs> No more questions. Now you're <laughs> off the hook. I did not lie that last time.
2: Uh,
0: Safid Dean from the Sun Sentinel, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much.
2: No, Lindsay, thank you so much. I had a really great time with you on this.
0: And you can find Safid on Twitter for more Dolphins news at Safid underscore Dean. And that's S-A-F-I-D, Dean with two E's. And we will be back on Friday with more tea leaf reading, trying to figure out how this whole draft thing is going to go down. One month from now in Cleveland, what are the Panthers going to do? Maybe we'll look into that because they're looking like they might get stuck without a chair when the music stops at this point. They've got to have a plan, right? Anyway, have a good week. We'll see you Friday.